welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. I'm so excited about this particular Sunday, Bass Sunday. This has actually been an idea Graham and I have held for many, many years. And this is our very first one but not our last. It is something that we are going to do every year as a part of the life of this local church. But it's an idea that we've had in our spirits for quite a few years now to outwork a a service that we give specific uh, time and carve aside time for the kings of our land, which is what our business guys are, our businessmen and women. Uh, The Bible really clearly describes that there are priests and kings and our Business owners are the kings of our land, people who influence our world with wealth and they generate incomes for both their families and for others. And Graham and I see that there is such an important and specific mantle on people who are in business that it requires the time for us to set aside time in our services to speak into the lives of those in business but also to anoint them for what God has called them in their calling. Each and every one of us has different callings as we unpack often in the life of this church. Some are called to lead us into worship. Others have a prophetic unction and some are called to create wealth. Has anybody ever coveted that specific gift? I know that I have and I don't have the gift. I have the gift to spend wealth. So I really, really appreciate those who have the gift to create wealth so that I may spend wealth. But we're so excited to be able to unpack something very special for these guys. And so at the end of our service today, if you are in business, please don't rush off. We would love the opportunity for you to come forward and we're going to anoint you with oil for what God has called you in the specific gift and unction that you have been called to do on this planet. We want to anoint you and step you into this next 12 months. And why we're doing it right now is we're about to obviously head into our our new financial year. So for many of you, you run from January to December, but many of our businesses don't. They run from June to or July through to June. And so we're going to set them into their next financial year, knowing that God's going to do something spectacular in their businesses. If you believe that, why don't you say amen this morning? Well, there is something very specific around businesses. And as I've been preparing this word, uh, uh, there is a very specific story in the Bible now in the uh, City Vision this morning my title dropped early, so there's no surprise and no hiding it. But there is a very specific story in the Bible that beautifully unpacks what a godly business looks like. It doesn't matter what industry, it doesn't matter whether you are a builder or a farmer or you're in a care kind of uh, industry, it doesn't matter what your business is, there is a godly model for business. And it it beautifully is unpacked in the life of one of the men in the Word of God, which this morning I'm literally just going to delve into this story. And so for some of you, you've heard this story before, but it's usually focused on the woman in the story. Uh, If you've been around church for a little while, you may have heard about Ruth in the Word of God, a young woman 
who marries a, a, an Israelite man or a Jewish man and very early in their marriage, he dies. That's a terrible situation to be in, okay? But he's not the only one who dies. Her brother-in-law and her father-in-law also die, leaving three women in this time in history widows. Now, in the rung of socioeconomic uh, status, in that time, that's the bottom. You can't get any lower than being a widow or an orphan because in that time, a widow or an orphan had no way to generate income at all. And so often, for those of you who've been around church for a while or you've been reading your word for a while, you may have read this story about Ruth's life and you've read it as a love story, a redemption story and a story about a woman who chooses God and not the, not the God of her uh, upbringing. Over, uh, she chooses this pathway and God sets her story in motion for all of those things. But the truth is, is the hero of this story is actually the quiet man behind the scenes. And his name is Boaz. And so I've titled today's message, A Modern Day Boaz. And now a modern day Boaz is actually the whole theme of what I'm going to speak about this morning because it is the mantle that we operate out of when we are operating in our giftings to create wealth as businessmen and women in a godly manner. We operate under a Boaz mantle. And so I want to unpack this a little bit this morning. And so for those of you who have never heard this story, that's totally okay. I'm going to read a small passage of uh, Ruth chapter 2, and then I'm going to paraphrase chapter 3 and 4 to let you know what happens in these guys' unusual story. So here we start in chapter 2, verse 1. If you have your Bibles here this morning, you might have your physical one or you might have one on your phone, feel free to whip it out and read along as we go this morning. And so it goes like this. And so it happened that Naomi had a relative by marriage, a man prominent and rich. His name was Boaz. One day, Ruth the Moabite, a foreigner, said to Naomi, I'm going to work. I'm going to glean among the sheaves, following after some harvesters so and hope that they will treat me kindly. And so Naomi said, go ahead, dear. So she set out. She went and she started gleaning a field. To paraphrase, she is going behind a farmer's tractor and picking up the dregs, okay? In modern day Boaz story, This is what she's doing. She's picking up what is falling from the harvesters. So she was uh, following in the wake of the harvesters. She ended up in the part of the field owned by Boaz. A little later, Boaz came out from Bethlehem greeting his harvesters. God be with you, he said. And they replied, and God bless you. Boaz asked his young servant, who was a foreman over the farmhands, Who is this young woman? Where did she come from? And the foreman said, why, that is the Moabite girl, the one that came with Naomi from the country of Moab. She asked permission, let me glean, she said, and gather among the sheaves following after your harvesters. 
She's been at it steady ever since, from early morning until now without so much as a break. So then Boaz spoke to Ruth, saying, Listen, my daughter, from now on, don't go to any other field to glean. Stay right here in this one and stay close to my young women. Watch where they are harvesting and follow them. And don't worry about a thing. I've given orders to my servants not to harass you. When you get thirsty, feel free to go and drink from the water buckets that the servants have filled. She dropped to her knees, then bowed her face to the ground. How does this happen that you should pick me out and treat me so kindly, me, a foreigner? And Boaz answered her saying, I've heard all about you. Heard about the way you treated your mother-in-law after the death of her husband and how you left your father and mother and the land of your birth and have come to live amongst a bunch of total strangers. God reward you well for what you have done and with the generous bonus besides from God to whom you've come seeking protection under his wings. So she said, oh, sir, such grace, such kindness, I don't deserve it. You've touched my heart treated me like one of your own, and I don't even belong here. At the lunch break, Boaz said to her, come over here, eat some bread and dip it in the wine. So she joined the harvesters. Boaz passed the roasted grain to her and she ate her fill and even had some left over. When she got up to go back to work, Boaz ordered his servants, let her glean where there is still plenty of grain on the ground. Make it easy for her. Better yet, pull some of the good stuff out and leave it for her to glean. Give her special treatment. So Ruth gleaned the field until evening. And when she threshed out what she had gathered, she ended up with nearly a full sack of barley. She gathered up her gleanings, went back to town and showed her mother-in-law the results of her day's work. She also gave the leftovers from her lunch. Naomi asked her, so where did you glean today? Whose field? God bless whoever it is who took such good care of you. So Ruth said to her mother-in-law, the man with whom I work today, his name is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, why God bless that man. God hasn't quite walked out on us after all. He still loves us in bad times as well as good times. So Ruth the Moabite said, well, listen to this. He also told me, stick with my workers until the harvesting is finished. Naomi said to Ruth, that's wonderful, dear daughter. Do that. You'll be safe in the company of his young women. No danger now of being raped in some stranger's field. So Ruth did it. She stuck close to Boaz's young women, gleaning in the fields daily until both barley and wheat harvesting were finished and she continued living with her mother-in-law. That's the end of chapter two. In chapter three, something that Naomi, the mother-in-law, conspires with a wild idea. This is where the story gets really, really interesting and it's why we often live or read this story as a love story as opposed to a business example. Basically, what happens is Naomi plots an idea that at the harvest party, the celebration of the harvest being completed, the workers would come together and Boaz would have thrown an amazing party with great food and lots of wine. 
And they would come together and celebrate the end of the season and how it had been blessed. And so Naomi concocts an idea that Ruth would attend this party and when Boaz had had his fill of food and wine and fallen asleep, she would go and lay at the feet of where he had fallen to sleep. And custom in this day, this meant she was communicating to Boaz, I am available for marriage. So for all our young people who believe that the men need to ride in on a white horse and court you in such a way with your itemized list, this story communicates that the woman got down on one knee and said, will you marry me? So I'm just debunking a little bit of pre-notion in that moment for our young people right there. This is in truth exactly what Ruth did. She got down on one knee and said, will you marry me? I am available and you look good. That's it. It's really simple. Okay, we read the story and maybe because of all the sheaths and we don't understand what that means or the threshing floor, we don't really understand what that means. We miss that it's just simply a marriage proposal. Okay, except she asked him. But here's what happens that's absolutely remarkable. The character of Boaz from this moment is yet another characteristic of what kind of man, what kind of business he ran. This is the response. So he says, it says that he suddenly started in the night and woke up to see this woman sleeping at his feet. And she says to me, she says, I am Ruth, your maiden. Take me under your protective wing. You are my close relative. That's not modern day law. Don't do that. But everything else, you have the right to marry me. And he said, God bless you, my dear daughter. Dear daughter, what a splendid expression of love. When you could have had your pick of all the young men around, and now, my dear daughter, don't worry about a thing. I'll do what I can and what I could or what you ask. Everybody in town knows what a courageous woman you are, a real prize. You're right. I am a close relative to you, but there is one that is even closer than I am. Here's a key detail about the integrity of this man, okay? There is one who is closer than I am. So stay the rest of the night and in the morning if he wants to exercise his customary rights and responsibilities as the closest covenant redeemer, he'll have his chance. But if he isn't interested, as God lives, I will do it. Now go back to sleep until morning. So Ruth slept at his feet until dawn. But she got up while it was still dark and wouldn't be recognized. And so Boaz said to himself, no one must know that Ruth came to the, fleshy, to the threshing floor at this time. So Boaz said, bring the shawl that you're wearing and spread it out. She spread it out and he poured in a full, uh, a full ounce of barley, six measures, and put it on her shoulders. And then she went back to town. So Naomi asked, because she'd been up all night plotting this great, this great plan, says, how did things go, my daughter? And Ruth told her everything that the man had done for her, adding, he gave me all this barley besides, six quarts. He told me, you can't go back empty-handed 
to your mother-in-law. Naomi said, sit back and relax, my dear, until we've found out how things will turn out and the man isn't go- this man isn't going to fool around. Mark my words, he's going to get everything wrapped up today. That's what the word says, okay? So Boaz went straight to the public square and took his place there. And then he said when his close relative approached, step aside, my friend, take a seat. And so the man sat down and Boaz then gathered 10 of the town elders together and said, sit down here with us. We've got some business to take care of. What happens after that part of the story is that he unpacks to this close relative that Naomi's husband has land that is his rightfully. And so he says, right here in front of these witnesses, I am letting you know that you are heir. This inheritance is yours to take. And I'm the second relative, but if you want it, it's yours. And then the man says, absolutely, I will have more land. And Boaz says, but just so that you know, there is a redemption covenant that is required to be fulfilled by taking Ruth as your wife and bearing a son as part of this inheritance. And he says, I don't want any part of that for she's a foreigner. And so Boaz says, well, then let me step in and do that. And in front of these elders, bear witness that I will buy the land, not receive the land, buy the land that is actually a part of my inheritance as the second covenant redeemer and take Ruth and fulfill the covenant. This is the character of Boaz. And so this morning, I want to quickly unpack how this relates to business because it sounds like a wild love story. I know it. Here's what I want to highlight. Boaz's leadership style was hardly norm in his day either. Just like today, Boaz was living in the end of the era of the Judges. The book of Ruth is found just after Judges. And the book of Judges is a time in history after the Israelites have been freed from Egypt, after they have done the wilderness for 40 years. They've stepped into the promised land. They've possessed the land. But it says that this generation has forgotten who God is. And so it actually describes in the Judges' time that it was a time ravaged with sexual violence and deviation and everybody did what they thought was right in their own eyes. That's actually what the Word of God says in Judges 21. And yet Boaz's words and actions clearly communicate his commitment to following God's way to live and operate in his calling as a businessman and to help others to follow in it exactly the same. Boaz was described right at the beginning of chapter 2 with a really key word. Boaz was was described as a man worthy of his calling. Worthy. What does that mean? The law that Boaz would have been keeping to had been given to Moses quite a bit of time before, but Boaz had decided 
for his household and his business. Because up to this time, he is not a husband or a father. He is simply a businessman. And he's decided for his life that the law that has been given to Moses to love the Lord your God as the first thing in his life is the thing of most importance and is why this word worthy is put in to describe Boaz. He has been found worthy to be entrusted with much. Worthy because of his love for his God. A modern day Boaz will have a good reputation because they have proven themselves to be a man or woman of character uh, by worth in their actions. They will have a solid relationship with God, growing in their faith, serving the Lord and evidencing fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives, not only when people are around, but when they're found in spaces by themselves. They pray, they read their Bible, they obey the words written in it and they attend the house of God regularly. Why? Because they put God at the forefront of everything they do. Boaz was known for this. So the chapter opens describing him as worthy of the gift he'd been entrusted to do. So I want to pull apart some characteristics very quickly this morning. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. I'm just going to punch through them really fast. Some of the characteristics around Boaz's life that for those of you who've taken up the calling that God's called you to do by running business, that you would be able to interject these into your own personal lives so that you would not just operate in your giftings but carry a Boaz mantle in this generation. Here's some of the first characteristics I noticed about Boaz's life. Boaz was attentive and then actioned. Boaz's organisation had levels of management, but he still noticed when Ruth joined his field. He also knew his fellow townsmen and what they thought of Ruth. Cultural norms might have tempted Boaz to neglect Ruth's well-being because of her status as a foreigner. But instead, Boaz's attentiveness, attentiveness spurred him to positive action on her behalf. Righteous integrity in a workplace begins with looking for ways to protect and to bless the employees under your care, not turning a blind eye to their vulnerabilities and their individual needs. He was observant. Boaz was observant. Ruth caught Boaz's eye, but he also noticed her inward character do you remember when he listed off to her, I have heard of you and here are your character. Here is your character reference that I've heard about you. He noticed her character, her good deeds and her kindness. He was compassionate. Boaz had care and concern for others, loving his neighbour as himself. As an owner of a field, Boaz showed generosity and compassion to the less fortunate. We could look at this story and just see Ruth in it, except that he had systems and policies in place already before she enters the story to look after women in Ruth's situation already. 
This is a part of what Boaz has around his life. A modern day Boaz will look for opportunities to bless others, serve wholeheartedly, give generously as God prompts him or her to do so, be kind and loving to the littlest and the least and not looking down on others. They will utilise their gifts to build the body of believers and to honour God. Another characteristic or other characteristics that I have seen from this story about Boaz's way that he operated in his life and in his business is that he was a protector and a provider for others. A modern day Boaz will protect your purity as well as their own by respecting boundaries. The aim of Boaz's words and actions were twofold, to protect Ruth from harm and to help her to be more productive in her work. Boaz was clear in his instructions to his men and to Ruth herself to ensure that she would not be harassed. He was equally intentional in his direction to proactively care for her and the other women who were gleaning in his field. He created an environment where her work would be easier. Did anybody pick that up in the story? He created an environment for his employees so that it would be an easier way for them to outwork their work. I think about the amount of times where I have been in places of position or leadership and to relieve my load, I have put load too great on the shoulders of others. And yet Boaz's story says that he created systems and policies in which to be able to, for his employees to better outwork with ease what it was they were entrusted to do. He was intentional in his direction to proactively care for her and the other women. Ruth's work environment was more than just physically safe. She was equipped with what she needed to, to work well. Boaz encouraged Ruth to glean in his own field so that she would feel safe among the other women. He also charged the young men of the field not to touch her. Do you know a modern day Boaz will do this in our society today? We're not living in, in a time that looks much different from Boaz's time. And this is, there is something about this particular authority and mantle for those who run business. It's not just the provider, it is also the protector. That's a role, a, a part of the Boaz mantle. Do you know a, Bo, a modern Boaz will provide for others? Boaz met Ruth's needs. He gave her plenty of water to drink, provided meals for her, and gave her an abundance of barley to share with Naomi. A modern-day Boaz will work hard, is mature and responsible with the right priorities. They know that it's not that being a provider is not just about making lots of money, and it's also not about meeting the basic needs that they have for their own lives. A modern-day Boaz is disciplined and working with money to be able to touch the lives of others beyond their world. A modern-day Boaz will have these characteristics around their life as well. And this is some of the key ones that I noticed around Boaz's life that actually filter the whole way through the story. Boaz had policy and systems to support a godly way to do business. And 
His employees knew them. But more importantly, Boaz exampled them. He led the way in them. Bosses who implement additional policies that equip people to perform their jobs do even better. Boaz established work policies for his people that were clear and direct, but he also modelled his directives. He was adamant that Ruth wasn't to be touched or violated violated by any of his male workers. And in the aftermath of their late-night conversation on the threshing floor, he acted to secure her reputation. He put his men to work caring for the women's physical needs and he himself did the same, eating with and serving her publicly in a setting where by right she ought to have been serving him. Boaz's work values were more than just hollow sentiments crafted in a HR document stuck on a lunchroom wall. They bounded and shaped his whole actions. If you're in a position of leadership, maybe you're not even in business, maybe this is applicable to your family or the place in which you are employed right now. If you're in a position of leadership, modeling the values and behavior you are trying to build across your company communicates integrity. And this is what Boaz had in spades. Which brings me to the final characteristic we see around Boaz's life and his business. Boaz was a man of integrity. Boaz knew that there was a closer relative who had first dibs in redeeming Ruth. So he took the proper steps to get her hand in marriage. In fact, he couldn't even rest until the matter was properly settled. Boaz had even gathered witnesses to confirm that he had acted with integrity in every step. Do you know a modern day Boaz will never manipulate, cheat, lie, cut corners. They act with integrity. They have nothing to hide. They will not abuse you, call you names, or ever put their hands on you. They do what is right even when it's hard. They take the responsibility and the load. They respect the authorities in their lives and love the Lord their God above everything else. They continually seek the wise counsel of more seasoned Christian men and women, whether it be pastorally or in business mentorship or have personal mentors, holding them accountable and encouraging them in their Christ-likeness. In conclusion this morning, Boaz saw his business as more than the sum of his decisions and his energies, more than what he just did each day when he woke up. He saw the Lord as active in business and through it. The attitude defined, this attitude defined his work and daily he called out to his reapers, to his employees, the Lord be with you. And because of this, Their response was back to him and with you also. And so he ran his business as an extension of his faith. He based his business decisions on spiritual values, honoured godly character, rewarded virtue. And because of this, he in turn was able to place the same expectation and required virtue on those who worked for him. 
There's something really significant found under a Boaz mantle. And as I was preparing this and sharing this with Gray as I prepared, I really felt for our businesses that this is the next season for those of you who are stepping out in business. God has gifted you with the ideas to create wealth. He's placed dreams in your heart in which only he could have put there. For some of you, they are audacious ideas and so far from what you were doing before this role. But in this generation, our world needs Boazes. There are so many Naomi's and Ruth's. And maybe you won't marry them, but you will protect and provide. That you will show integrity and attentiveness. That you will see them, see their character, see the gifts in their lives. Not just the prophet and lost statement. Not just all the coming ins and goings outs. Not just the list of emails that need to be attended to. But maybe, just maybe in this generation... We could have men and women stand up as modern day Boazes in the marketplace. Who stand out because of the integrity in which they run businesses. On the light that they shine into dark spaces. On the way they conduct their business affairs from those who are above them to those who work under them. And those who are touched by the generosity. I know that this is the next thing and something that will actually stand out in our generation if in our marketplaces there are Boazes placed all over the place. And so what we're going to do right now, I've asked some of our team to grab some oil. We're going to anoint our modern day Boazes this morning. And church, I'm going to ask that you would stand with us And pray a blessing and an anointing, a strengthening of character, fresh revelation of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in their businesses this morning. But I believe that when we pray this morning, that there is going to be a mantle of Boaz come over you. So when you come and stand here this morning to be anointed in your business, know that God is going to call you out saying, will you be a Boaz for this generation in the marketplace? Because I need them. I need employees who have never set foot in the house of God, who've never heard the name Jesus Christ, to go, I see it in you. I feel it because of your attentiveness and your action. I know your compassion to see through my vulnerabilities. Because it's exactly, this is the most remarkable thing about Boaz. Because I I felt in the spirit last night as I was beginning to prepare that many of you might go, but I have done this or I am not known in reputation quite like how Boaz has been written about here in Ruth. For a backstory really quickly, Boaz is the son of Rahab. I mean, if you've read the Bible before, you know Rahab's story. But if you've never read it before, that's okay. 
Rahab was a harlot in the city of Jericho who allowed the spies to hide out. Her role was to look out her window to see travellers who were coming as potential clients. That's Boaz's mom. So if you go, I've not been set up for living a Boaz lifestyle or operating under that mantle, let me tell you that God is the God of redemption and setting on a path new stories from broken pasts. Rahab saw the God of the men and the spies and it caused her her and her household to be saved. She ended up going and living on the outskirts of the town of the Israelites' camp and marrying a godly man and raising a Boaz. Do you know what's the most remarkable thing? This family line is the lineage of Jesus Christ. Ruth, the foreigner who found herself in a really vulnerable space. Rahab, the harlot, in a city that was going to be destroyed. Just two generations later, this man is David's great-grandfather, King David. God has something in store, and it might be in your generation, but it might be two generations down the track because of the Boaz mantle on your life.